0: There were th- there were like three attempts for people to give me a nickname, and Nothing I just didn't.
1: I didn't. I've
0: yeah. got several.
2: Do you have ni- you have
1: nicknames? Not, Not narrowgate nicknames. Oh, okay. I oh, okay. okay. have some nicknames too. Uh, oh, I do. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> They're all really like uh, I've heard guys refer to you as Daddy Daddy. Oh, that's that's <laughs> Daddy Daddy. Yes. That, yeah. That's yeah. your my my nickname for you is always my shrink. Yeah, because. I had bought in fully to the idea that I was getting counseling, and I thought that it was like some big, like you know, moment in my life. So I just <laughs> laid into it, and
1: it was. I'm seeing <laughs> a shrink. I mean, come on, <laughs> this is a moment. Hey.
0: Welcome to the Narragate Podcast. I'm Weston, and I'm Logan, and this is the Thaddeus Hefner episode. Thaddeus is a licensed LMFT counselor. He practices here in the Nashville area. He has been a, a part of the Narragate family for a long time. He actually offers several slots pro bono to some of our guys here, mm. uh, and he's been doing that for a long time. Just a great guy. Um, I really enjoyed this conversation Dude. with him.
2: <laughs> I Yeah, I, I don't know why.
0: I'll just say this, but it, it blessed me a lot more than I thought it would. I totally forgot we were doing a podcast at one point. Yeah. It was just we were in the room talking to a guy who knows a lot about how people work, and why. Well, my favorite thing about
2: the podcast episode was we did a couple impressions of some lovable characters. I won't go into it now. You can (laughs) can check it out later.
0: That was actually really impressive. (laughs) That was was really fun. Yeah. You know, this episode is actually pretty special, I think, because uh, Thaddeus and I've had a relationship for a long time. Um, When I graduated Narrogate, I was one of those guys that you know, walked out with my head up and ready to uh, tackle the world, and when I realized that uh, I didn't quite have it all figured out, something wasn't yet figured out in me with my um, emotions, with my how I how I how that outward me works with the inward me, yeah. and so I met with Thaddeus for like two years.
2: Wow, that's awesome!
0: And I mean, we're talking like every week, hmm. and did the the growth that I experienced in that, just him helping me kind of figure out why I do the things that I do, mm-hmm. you know, I thought Narrogate fixed that, you know, and yet yeah. here I'm still doing these things that I struggled with before. Uh, that's causing some pretty, pretty serious damage yeah. in my life. Why am I still doing that? And, and he helped me to kind of get to the bottom of it's the same reason that everybody still struggles with things. Yeah. It's they're, they're, they're trying to get their needs met. And I, I didn't have a real good understanding of what those needs were. So this is a really, um, Yeah, like I said, special episode for me.
2: And as always, if you want to learn more about Narragate Foundation, check out our show notes. Hope you enjoy the episode.
0: We start every episode by asking two questions. Who are you and why are you here? The reason that we ask those two questions is because they're... Kind of fundamental to narrate. it's It's the thing that we say at every orientation. it's the, It's the thing that every graduate knows. And so it's kind of our way of of allowing you to introduce yourself to us, to listeners. So who are you? and why are you here?
1: Got it. Thank you. Uh, I'm Thaddeus Hefner. Um, in my professional world, I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist here in the Greater Nashville area. Why am I here? Um, a mutual friend of Bill and Stacy, uh, Spencer uh Maurice Carter uh over 20 years ago now uh about 20 years ago introduced us and Bill and Stacy and I met at what was then Borders Books up in Brentwood Tennessee mm-hmm. and sat down and had coffee and a conversation and got to know each other and now I'm here today so I've just since then had a relationship with the Narrowgate family through the years mm-hmm. um years ago, when they were still at a deer run, I would, they would every now and then they'd say, Hey, could you come out and mentor one of our guys? Um, which was, you know, great privilege and honor. And then um and so I, in some form or fashion, I've always had a a toe in the water at Narrowgate. So yeah. that's why. And so that's why I'm here today. Yeah. yeah, it's always funny to
0: to ask those questions to people that I, I know who they are and why yeah. they're here. But to to hear hear them introduce themselves is always kind of fun. You yeah. know, I think, uh, I think that for you, you really don't know no. who Thaddeus is. No, so I'm, and is I'm pleased a, to get to know you today. Yeah, yeah. um, I have a, a whole lot of experience with Thaddeus that goes back, not just professionally over the last several years as he's worked with uh, some of our students uh, uh, here at Narrogate, but even is is is. Far back is when I was a student and graduated, um, I actually went and, went and met with Thaddeus, had sessions had for probably like two or three years, which I can neither confirm nor deny Isn't right. that awesome yeah yeah, totally, <laughs> but I, it was a once I finally swallowed my pride and decided that yeah, I, I probably need some counseling, you know, I started to meet with him, and uh, I would not be who I am if I hadn't been for that time with you, so yeah, thank you yeah. yeah.
2: I'm like so tempted to just like test the waters. I said, what y'all talking about? Like just to see if he's really professional, but I, I, I think I get the picture. So. I can give you in a
0: nutshell. It was no, me, I mean, don't have me, to, okay. me not good with emotions, yeah. him helping me get better with emotions. It's awesome. Is there any kind of like
2: specific area that you, um, I don't know, whether you, whether you excel at or consider yourself a specialist in um, any, any specific topics uh, along mental health
1: that you find yourself dealing with more often or more effectively? Yeah, I I don't know that I would say specialist, but uh, many therapists will often find something or a couple of things they really enjoy doing and they focus on that. So I, while I'm a marriage and family therapist, I no longer see couples. Mm-hmm. I haven't for about eight years. <laughs> I just really enjoy doing individual work. And sometimes I've run some groups as well, which I enjoy. Um but mostly individuals. I work mostly with men. Uh, Occasionally I'll see women. Usually if I'm working with women, it's to work on trauma. I do a mode of therapy called EMDR therapy, which is a trauma-based therapy. Um, I I use EMDR a lot, regardless who I'm seeing, but I would say mostly I focus on men- with any number of issues that they're, they're coming to see me for, you know, there's a whole umbrella of issues. Um, I've worked a lot with identity issues as well. in men, Um, that could be, you know, just personal identity, who I am in this, who am I in this world, sometimes it's been sexual identity, often, it's been that, um, that's a, on the forefront of what's, you know, in the culture, right now. So um, yeah, but whatever I work, whomever I'm working with or whatever they're bringing, I'm always trying to honor the client and follow the client. Um, You know, that's my main role is to try to help them get where they're going. Yeah.
0: I think that makes sense as to why Narrogate and Thaddeus are so connected and unified because you're the same mission as us Mm -hmm. identity. You know, who are you not? Not who does the world want you to be or who do you think you should be? because of the people that you're around or the stories you've been told or the experiences you've had, but like, who are you? And that's, that's exactly what, what we specialize in. Yeah. So that makes sense to me mm-hmm. as to why there's a connection there.
2: Yeah. And, and so for, for this question, it's not to be too general, but like when, when did you kind of discover when you, who you were as a person or, or or perhaps, you know, what, you know, what would bring you into this field that you're, that you're in now?
1: Yeah. You know, a lot of my own personal journey, um, has been around identity and masculinity and manhood. Um, and that could be a whole box of, you know, opened up right there with, uh, our particular culture right now. Um, but for me and my story, uh, I grew up in a family with, uh, of nine children. I'm one of nine. I have four older brothers and, um, I remember always, uh, looking at them um, as they become, became young adults thinking, oh, they're a man, you know, and someday I'll be that. And someday came, or someday never came actually. And I was always questioning that and questioning, who am I as a man? What does that even mean? And you'd be surprised, side note, how many times I get that question over the last almost 15 years down in my office. But that was what I was asking. And it was very important to me. And Believe it or not, I was 27 years old, still wrestling with that question. And uh, I woke up on my 27th birthday, and before my feet hit the floor, I said, I prayed, and I just said, "Um, I don't know what a man is, but I declare myself one today, and um, I will not stop until I understand what that means for me. Um, And then I went and started meeting with a therapist for the first time ever and which was extremely helpful and what she did was she took my lenses she took my glasses cleaned them for me and i put them back on and i was like oh this is what the world actually looks like so i had a lot of bad ideas and bad views of self and others and somewhere uh, w- within a few years after that i was in this uh, men's prayer group on a saturday morning I actually used to meet at christ church and they've moved around through the years. Uh, it was an extremely healing time for me. And I really believe those men helped brother me and father me in many ways. And I had a great father, and I have great brothers. But um, I was getting things that I feel like they were, I was deficient in. And and, um, and then not too long after that, I uh, one of those Saturday mornings, I heard the Lord um say just in my spirit, I felt a peace come over me. Um, and I heard the Lord say, I will make you a fisher of men. And uh, you, you know what that means. It will mean souls, souls but for you, it will mean um, you will bring men into healthy masculinity. Mm. Um, and I was immediately excited because it had been a while since I'd heard that way. It had been about 10 years. Um, in my spirit that is and um, i was also scared cuz i knew there would be a cost but i was more excited than scared and this may be too long of an answer no, for y'all no it's great yeah. it's really long I'm, um, we're happy to hear it man this is a podcast so we
0: can, I, you can talk as long as you want
1: <laughs> thank you well i walked up to one of the men jason and I whispered in his ear, we, we were all kind of spread out through the sanctuary praying individually, which we had never done. They, they asked us to do that that day. And then we were going to come together corporately and pray. And so I, I whispered in Jason's ear, I think I just heard from the Lord, and this is what he said. And he said, okay. And then moments later, another man, Steve, said, hey, guys, let's come together. We're going to pray now corporately. Let's gather so we all gather, and he said, hey, but before we start, I have a word for one man, and I don't know who it is. But when I left the house this morning, the Lord said, um, well, let me back up. The Lord, What the Lord said to me was, I'll make you fisher of men, but I'm changing the meaning of this for you. It will always mean souls, but for you it will now mean this as well. And so then Steve says... The Lord is saying to somebody in here, he is changing the meaning of something for you. It will still mean what, what he didn't, you know, he didn't know what the verse was. God didn't give him that, but he specifically said, God's changing the meaning of something for you. Um, And then Jason turns to me and says, that's what you just told me, like not two minutes ago. So it was word, witness, confirmation, all within probably three minutes. Wow. And, And... then, uh, you know, I was a much younger Thaddeus back then. And I thought, okay, God, let's, we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And, and then I calmed down after about three <laughs> weeks and I was like, well, why don't I just let you steer? And so that's hmm. kind of uh, several years went by and I decided to go back to grad school. And um, that's the
0: boring part of the story. <laughs> now, <yeah. laughs> Two years of studying Tell us a about test. Your <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, what's, what's yeah. something that you would say is, has evolved or maybe even changed from now Thaddeus uh to you know early Thaddeus in your carrying out that mission?
1: Yeah. Well over the past uh almost twenty years now um since I heard that, um I've had the opportunity not just through being a therapist and working with men of all ages, but I volunteer with a couple of organizations where i go and and i'm volunteer staff and i help lead some retreats intensives and um, of all ages and so um i've seen i've seen the fruit of what i received 20 years ago and 20 years ago when that happened i wasn't just excited and scared at the same time i was also it was laughable i just are you sure you have the right guy here (laughs) because There's just that this is the, what I've been struggling with. And you're telling me this is what I'm going to do. So it was yeah. to me hilarious. Uh, but that is in my judgment, the the economy of God, right? It's the upside down backward, the first shall be last. Um, in our weakness, he is strong, you know, and he's going to send somebody who struggles with masculinity to invite men into that world mm-hmm. um, into deeper places. So I would say I'm much more calm. I'm much more secure in who I am as a man. There came a day several years into that journey where I stopped stopped asking that question, what is a man? I literally asked it every day. Mm. And even after I declared myself that, I would still ask the question. And then one day, I realized I wasn't asking that question anymore. And then just the more I've gotten to work with men, and some of the things men have said to me after working with them, not just as a therapist, but on some of these retreats, uh, is really mind blowing. Um, that one, I get to participate in other souls with other souls and, um, just some of the affirming things I've heard reflected back to me. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just deepened my, um, understanding of self and, yeah god and men in general so yeah
0: that's cool have you have you ever had counseling oh yeah actually it was um
2: uh, a christian counselor in abilene texas who was um uh the first one who ever mentioned narrow gate to me and then said yeah you've got a friend from your high school who went there you should Hmm. go talk to him Uh, and that was jace beard um was the, was the student, but yeah, I mean, it was, um, I, I had seen that counselor off and on uh, a little bit through high school and also, uh, also after, um, kind of, a, a, in pursuing some healing after that season of wandering, I, I was one of those graduates who kind of, I mean, a couple months after, I mean, just had a, had an experience of, you know, um, walking through some failure and just experienced a lot of shame and like, Turn tail and ran. I mean, ran from Tennessee, ran from the Lord. Um, and it was that, it was that exact same Christian counselor that I saw hmm. actually, um, when, when God was kind of sorting things out in that season, I sought him out to just kind of process some things with. So again, I've, um, yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I feel like there's kind of two categories of people and how they view counseling and therapy. And like, you've got the, you know, the people that live and die by it. And then you've got the people that are like, anti nope, I, I don't need any of that psycho babble, you know, and I I, I say that because I was probably one of them, mm. you know, <laughs> like not antagonistic against Counseling or a therapist, you know if it I was probably more of the attitude like if that's if that's what you need, then go for it, you know I don't really need it, you know, and then um and then I woke up I think, and realized like no, I'm actually really messed up, you know like i I probably could use some help from somebody who at least knows how to draw some of these things out, and so uh yeah, that is the the first counselor that I actually uh saw um, and so is there a I don't know, is there anything that you would say to somebody who's maybe uh coming to you as a as a counselor, as a therapist with some of that, you know, hesitation or apprehension about counseling in general? Sure. <clears throat> what
1: what I try to communicate to people in my office is that I'm following I'm trying to follow you and really um This is going to sound very Yoda, but you have everything inside of you that you need. Hello, Yoda. Right, exactly. (laughs) Just say it. Right. Nervous (laughs) beings we are,
2: (laughs) not this crude matter.
1: Bro, you can preach that. I'm just saying. (laughs) All right, sorry. Back. Um, I, I don't do Yoda, but I do a pretty mean uh, golem. So oh, but, um, we we'll,
2: can just do this yeah, for an, do an, an hour column. and that. You want
0: golem? <laughs> 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 yes Yeah, oh, that's so yeah. You have to answer
2: all. We have to do Boom, all the questions and voices up, now. Up. Okay. <laughs> 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 that's,
0: yes. that's like the, the same voice. It's not even <laughs> an impression. That, that might actually be him. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>
2: this is the best.
0: Yes. Okay. What was, what, my side wait, I'm sorry I interrupted your answer. What, what I say so to good. guys that are
1: considering therapy or counseling but yeah. aren't so sure about it is that granted there, some people are coming in with, with much bigger and deeper issues that, um, certainly might take time, uh, or, you know, d- deeper modes of therapy, therapy, right. Um, but for the most part, what, what I'm really trying to do is get a person to, uh, as part of the work, is to raise their self-awareness, listen to themselves. You know, it's not, in my judgment, it's not unlike Jesus going off to meditate and pray and get quiet. And I'm inviting men to get quiet, really know yourself, to feel your emotions, but and just stop trying to think your way out of everything. I think most people, uh, that's a broad brushstroke, a lot of people try to, we try to think our way out of things, but God made us body, soul, and spirit. He gave us emotion. He created emotions to express, not to suppress. Mm -hmm. Um, And he gave us body sensations and impulses. And these other areas also inform us, not just our minds. Um, And Jesus felt every emotion and expressed it, turned over tables, laughed, wept at the tomb of Lazarus, um, felt anguish in the garden. Um, and usually when we let all four of those areas, thoughts, body sensations, emotions, and impulse work in concert, it raises our understanding about what's going on. So that, that's very basic, but in, it's very rare. Someone walks through my door that is in touch with their emotions or feelings. And so You know, it's just think of it like you're going to a gym, but rather than working out your, your muscles, you're working out your emotional body, your emotional muscles that have often Mm -hmm. atrophied, you know?
0: Why are, why are more people not uh, either educated or aware of how to be in touch with their emotions? Like, why do you think that so many people are, because I know that that's why I walk into, into your door. Well, I didn't know that was why at the time, but that's, you know, that's, that was why. Yeah. I like, mean,
2: is there something in the culture that, that, that you've seen change? I mean, over the years, I mean, obviously that we're living in now that, that kind of produces that in people or is it, is it
1: purely something spiritual? I mean, what, what? I don't know that it's changed. Uh, I think, uh, for generations now, uh, we're, we're taught not to feel. Sometimes it's very direct. Like, don't you, you know, your feelings are shut down. I've had clients where if you expressed emotion in the household, it, it was unsafe to mm-hmm. do so. So they learn not to feel. Um, but others, sometimes it's given to us indirectly through family, through peers, you know, don't cry or I'll give you something to cry about, uh, uh, or, You think about hearing that as
2: a boy, well, I've (laughs)
0: literally said that we,
2: we both have small children right Right. now. And and as you started answering this, I'm like, Oh no, I have been so short (laughs) with my kids lately. And I'm like, I mean, even something as small as like, daddy, I don't want to go upstairs. I'm scared of being up there. I'm like, and my initial response was not acknowledging his fear. It was, that's so stupid. It's only us here. You're, you were up there playing three hours by yourself. I mean, how old? Uh, I've got a five-year-old and a four-year-old and 11 an month old, but like that okay. five and four year old, I mean, I, I'm so, I've been so convicted just in the last well, few days I'm, of like, I'm, I'm I have
1: more <laughs> I okay, more I'm here to coming. learn, man. Bring it on. Let's go. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, in that example, um, you know, you're not intentionally trying to do damage yeah. to your child, but when we hear that enough, it's just very indirect. Sometimes we take these messages growing up, especially boys, you know, don't cry, what are you a sissy? Are you scared? Even from our peers, and so we put on, we we do we build a wall basically, and it becomes our resiliency. And that wall can take on many forms: um, things we medicate with, or just silence, even in isolation. Uh, so we become these adults that don't feel and don't emote when we swallow everything, and then we wonder why. Uh, we have sometimes addictions, but it doesn't have to be full blown addiction. It could also be what I call avoidance mechanisms or distractions. When I bring up avoidance mechanisms in my office or even addictions, I, I really want men, I'm inviting men and women to see these as, let them be your teacher, not your shame. Oh, I wanna go overeat again. I wanna go, it's 11 o'clock and my, my head's in the refrigerator or the pantry. Maybe if instead see that as a road sign saying, oh, there's probably something I'm feeling that I need to get in touch with that I'm trying to avoid by eating my Mm. stress, Mm. eating stress eating or whatever.
0: Everything has a, there's a spectrum, right? There's a a pendulum that swings that you can, if you're too far in one direction, right? Like shutting down people's um, ability to work through their emotions. If that's that sort of aggressive, um, you know, stifling of that would be this end of the pendulum the other end of the pendulum to me would be accommodating or or making the emotional state uh, or the emotions that you feel the most important thing right and i feel like that that would have yeah. consequences too yes um mm-hmm. could you help me to or help us uh, unless you've got it all figured out you know? i am in, in on that <laughs> could you no, could he's you, still saying yes yeah. could child. you help us to, <laughs> to figure out one what that other side of the pendulum looks like, you know, in, in, in life, what it, what it looks like. And then where, where is the balance? Where's the Mm. the appropriate, (laughs) you know? Yeah. And that can be different for different people too. uh, And where they're at in
1: life. Uh, Well,
0: let's phrase it to me when I (laughs) try to, to, I want my son to be tough, but (laughs) I don't want him to be, you know, unable to, I don't want him to be where I was at, unable to deal with emotions.
1: Right. So unhealthy is, Stuff your emotions. The uh, that would be one side of the pendulum. The other side is uh, all I do is let my emotions dictate my life. And feelings and emotions are important, but um, and feelings we feel emotions, but not every feeling is an emotion, right? So sometimes people I've heard people say, "But it feels true," and I'll say, "Well, just because it feels true doesn't mean it is true,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? Truth is not an emotion. Truth, right? Mm-hmm. The truth is truth. So." Um, wow, well, that was profound, wasn't it? <laughs> truth, <laughs> truth, <laughs> yeah. Cut, print. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's how do we learn to, ex- there, and there is balance. How do we learn to express emotion in healthy ways? But if all we're ever doing is um, potentially becoming a victim of our emotions, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's made perhaps where needs come in. We all have needs of each other. So let's use you and your son as the example. Um, A need might be affirmation. And so your son uh, emotes. He's sad about something. Let's say he cries. And you sit there with him in it. And that's you honoring him and showing him it's okay, men cry. Mm -hmm. And then also saying, you know, I am so proud of you for you know, being honest with where you're at and, but then, you know, there may be a follow-up and you know what, you can do this. So I know you're sad about it, but you've got the, you know, and so it it may add that it may, it may keep them from going way to the other side mm-hmm. if we just leave them in their emotions. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of evidence of that in our culture yeah. as well. So I think the more we raise our awareness, is how we eventually find the center. Yeah. It, it, it'll balance out. That pendulum yeah. will slow and center.
0: Yeah. I heard a, a good, a good quote one time that um, emotions are like four, yeah, four or five year olds. Yeah. That yeah. they're, they can bring you joy. They can, you know, make your life full of meaning and purpose and, um, and you can enjoy them, but don't let them drive your car.
2: Yeah. Like, uh, um, uh, Kay, Kay Farrow and, and yeah. Joel Farrow, I think, I think we're all, we all know them. Um, She, she used to, Cause I've had some sessions with her over the years and then and, and she would tell me, yeah, emotions are like four-year-olds. If you, if you ignore a four-year-old, like if I was to neglect my four-year-old son, he would die. Mm, right. And yet I don't let him decide what we do with our finances. Right, what right. We do what we do with our time. I mean, right. we don't let him drive the ship. But, and so, yeah, there's gotta be balance with that. I see that. And and of course we, we've mentioned, um, you know, probably, probably one of the, I get your opinion on this too. Probably the one that men struggle with the most is probably that you're, you're not allowed to show that type of sensitive emotion. Like you're not allowed to cry. Um, I think in my family though, I think it was a little bit different because I mean, goodness gracious, anybody who knows my dad, Rod Pringle, it it doesn't matter if it's like a family holiday. It could just be any family (laughs) gathering where we have gathered with the family for a meal, extended family. He's going to pray for the meal and he's going to halfway through, he's, Start he's crying. crying. Yeah. So like, I grew up with that, like yeah. this, this, like, th- like that's okay. That's good. That's right. That's normal. And I think in our family, it was, if you show frustration, mm. if you show anger, like, whoa, you got to squash that. Like that's like, a
0: bad emotion.
2: That's, that's a bad emotion.
1: <laughs> right. And so I would say there are no such thing as good emotions or bad emotions. Mm. Emotions just are. And if, um, if anger is a bad emotion, then, God is to blame because mm. <laughs> mm. He created it, and if anger is a bad emotion, then Jesus was sinning when He flipped over tables, right? Yeah, but,
0: but you He wasn't it isn't
1: the case. It's, it's not right. the case. Right. Absolutely not the case. Um, and rage and anger are two different things. Mm. Rage is fear based. When we suppress fear rather than go into fear, it turns into anxiety, and then we're so anxious, we need to try to get control back. And if, as we're trying to get it back, we might rage to get the control back. That's not healthy, but healthy anger uh, is passionate and, ba- and it sets boundaries, right? And so think about what Jesus did there. Um, Jesus, uh, he went to the temple courts. I forget which gospel it is, perhaps Mark. One of the gospels actually reads that, I'm pretty sure I remember this. Uh, I'm remembering this correctly. Um, it reads that Jesus went to the temple courts near the end of the day and there weren't a lot of people around. So he left and came back in the morning. That's, I believe, only in one of the gospels. And mm. I'd missed it till a few years ago. And I thought, oh my goodness, I've never seen that. Because think about that. He wanted a full house. Yeah. He was being very intentional. And so he went back and then he fashioned a whip. That takes time. Yeah. That's not rage. And then he flipped over tables and drove them out. And he had a very clear message. Uh, My house shall be a house of prayer. You've turned it into a den of thieves. Get out. Boundary setting. So anger came out in a very healthy way. And he drove out those that were the wrongdoers. And he set a new boundary. Hmm. And that's healthy anger. Hmm. So anger is a very healthy emotion. Now, we can express it in unhealthy ways but the emotion itself that's not its
0: fault that's yeah. our fault right so yeah do you
2: be angry and do not sin
0: yeah exactly yes be angry and sin. do not, you yeah. have anytime that this topic comes up either in conversation or even in my mind like anger has so many there are so many examples of poorly expressed yeah. anger the one example that i have for for positively expressed anger is that is Jesus in the Bible. Right. But do you like, can you give an example or a a, 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 picture of an example of what healthy anger expressed might look sure. like? Uh, anger
1: doesn't have to be turning over tables. It, it can be very direct, clear language. You know, let's say, uh, uh, Weston, let's say you and I are in our twenties and we're housemates. And you work third shift and I work first shift, whatever our respective jobs are. And um, my, your car breaks down. It's got to go in the shop for a week. And you say to me, hey, since I work third shift, can I borrow your car? And I'll have it back before you go to work in the morning. And I'll say, sure, but just remember I want you to park it in the in the driveway. Do not park it in the street under that tree that drips the sap. Cause I just had the I just had a detail, blah, blah, blah. Sure had no problem. And then I get up the first morning after you've gotten home, gone to bed, and where's my car parked? Under the tree in the street, and there's sap all over the hood now. Mm. So I say to you, Weston, I'm very angry with you. <laughs> because what did I, I had one, you had one job and what was it? Oh, that I'm so sorry. It won't happen again. You're right. It won't happen again. Um, because I'm, I'm thinking of not letting you use my car. There's mm. the consequence, right? So I let you do it one more time, use it one more time. And the same thing happens. So the message you're sending me is you do not respect my, my, uh, or take care of my things when I'm trying to help you out. So I'm angry and I just say, Hey Weston, there's no three strikes here. You get two tries here. Two strikes. I'm angry with you. Uh, I want you to. have my read uh, detailed again, and you can't use it now. You, you just had one job. It was so simple, mm. and I need you to know I'm really angry with you, and I don't trust you. I didn't blow up. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't pop you in the face. You know, I didn't cuss you out. Mm. So that is healthy anger. Another another tool. Um, I know of a teacher that uh, had a student that would get very angsty, uh, elementary school, they filled up water balloons and took them outside when, when that would happen. And here's a water balloon. I want you to throw, I want you to get in touch with that anger and angst and throw it as hard as you can into the ground. And the kid did after three or four water balloons, he was ready to go back inside. It's just, it's moving energy. Hmm. Um, and any emotion fully felt typically will result. It's, it's designed to resolve to the next place. And so anger, once it's resolved in a healthy way, key being the healthy way, um, it will, sometimes it'll make us feel powerful and strong or we'll come to a place of peace when we get it out. Um, If you've ever had a really good cry, how do you feel when when you're done with the cry? Any takers? Anyone wanna answer that question? (sighs) I
2: probably could. it yeah, it definitely is a Logan question. How I feel, do you feel after? I feel a put cry. on the spot. I feel like I had a. I feel like I had a couple. Don't of answer weeks. wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, you but, know, I, I had a couple weeks where um, I was feeling low, and I was mm-hmm. and I was sad about some things genuinely, and yeah. um, and for like a week straight, I was like, man, I feel that like knife edge of like I could just cry any right. second. All throughout my day, like tears welling up at random right. things. Um. And, and it's really interesting. I, I had a, um, I had a sit down with, uh, with my boss and, um, uh, man, I was just able to just tell him in a really safe space, dude, I've just been sad. And I've, you know, I had a prideful response to this and I'm just sad about this and this and this. And, and yeah, it def the emotion definitely came out. Um,
1: and how did you feel when you were done?
2: Oh, um, A sense of, of peace and, and uh, obviously, uh, yeah, it's that sense of peace, but um, uh, when something's like, I feel like when something's pent up for that long, it can almost feel exhausting
1: to get it out. Yes. So often when people have a good cry or get their sadness out, however it comes out, they feel peace, relief, they're, they're ready for a nap. There's the exhausting because you just release so any emotion fully felt tends to release to the next place which is a good place mm. it, and it will just naturally happen that's how god designed it it's when we suppress it that it's going to fester and rot and demand to be honored and it's going to f- come out sideways somehow i don't know how you had asked originally yeah. how how do you deal with anger so sure you know there are, clean ways to do it. And there are healthy ways. I'll use an example here. One time we were doing, if it's okay, we were doing group work. Mm -hmm. Um, I was just taking the guys through some stuff. And near the end, I usually take a little bit more time to set something like this up. But I said, Hey, we only have a little bit of time left and anybody here dealing with a lot of anger and like four (laughs) guys stepped out and I threw a, um, I had brought a, um, a a punching bag with me, one that you would hang. So I just laid it on the ground you know put a pillow down for their knees because i had them kneel down and then gave them a bat and gave them some safety um, measures and i said when you are ready with intention get in touch with the anger when you're ready put it into the bag and offward did and probably spent maybe a minute or a little more with each man but i would stop them after they're beating this bag and then and yelling and then i'd say okay stop Checking with your body, what do you, and they would express like, "Yeah, I'm tight. I'm angry. I feel it in my chest." And then they'd beat the bag, and then they'd say, um, "I'm feeling lighter. I'm feeling some peace." And then uh, I think there was one man who just had so much. He felt lighter, but he said, "There's still more to do." I'm like, "Okay, we'll get to it." But so that took all of a minute, but they and it was safe. And mm-hmm. I even when we were done, I said, "Hey, um, was was anybody hurt?" Today. I asked the whole group, you know, oh, yeah. was anybody hurt today doing this? Was this done in an unsafe way? You know, I was trying to teach them, you can, there are ways to get your anger out in healthy, safe ways and move that into a relief and peace.
0: So there, that's ah, another example. I remember that vividly. I had to buy a punching bag. You went out and bought that. a punching yeah. bag. That's right. Yeah. 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 I <laughs> like, like, we don't need this around yeah, 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 this, this yeah. is a great thing. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. But um, there are... I mean, would you agree that different people have different emotional capacities and that there isn't like one right way to, or one right amount of emotion sure. to feel? So some people, you know, have uh, have a broader, you know, emotional spectrum and some people have a more narrower one. So like while we were talking earlier, the reason I'm asking this question is while we we're talking earlier, um, I, I, I don't like remember the last time specifically that I had like a big cry, you know, yeah. and it's not that, um, I haven't before, I obviously have, but like, even that question, like, how did you feel after the last time you cried? Like I, it would take me, I'd have to go back a long sure. ways. Yeah. And so if I were less, less uh, secure in myself, I might <laughs> think, oh, well, is there something wrong with me? Because I don't, I don't, I don't f- cry very sure. much, you know, Like, I like to think that I'm at least better than I was, you know, at one former point in my life with handling emotions and emotional awareness and expressing those. Um, But I I still don't cry easily, you know. Yeah,
1: everybody's different. Just like we have different personality types. We have... You know, introverts, extroverts, ambiverts it's, it's the same for emotion. Yeah.
2: Fam- like um, right.
1: family origin stuff play into that a whole lot, or is it really, it, I mean. I'm sure it does. Of- you know, if we were taught it's okay to express versus not, but, um, but there are many ways to feel sadness. Mm-hmm. Crying is one expression of it. So, yeah, yeah, I know. That I was are, asking
0: for the listeners, you know. Sure. Not, not me, not, <laughs> no.
1: I have guys in my office all the time where I just say, hey, and they'll say, I feel sad. I'm like, okay, well, just be open to whatever it wants to do. It doesn't have to be tears. It mm. can just be, and they'll say, yeah, I just feel heavy. Okay, yeah. just feel the heaviness then,
0: you know. So you, I mean, you do this for a living. Yeah. And you are interacting with people who are feeling a lot or feeling you know, a lot and don't know how to express it. And I'm sure that that engages your emotions at some point in this. How do you, how do you, how do you deal with that? I mean, I, I know that in ministry, it's, it's hard to deal with people's junk, but when you're paid for people to bring it to you and set it in your lap, how do you, how do you set boundaries for yourself? How do you deal with that in times where you're, I don't know, How do you yeah, deal with that? That's it's the question. A really
2: similar. I'm yeah. curious about that too.
1: To be quite honest, I've never um, had an issue with holding the space for people like that. Hmm. Uh, I won't say never. Most of the time, I guess what I'm trying to say is I, I don't. Um, I don't take anything home with me. Hmm. I've never have. From day one. Um, I don't know why that is. Sounds like the grace of God. (laughs) Yes, yeah, Yeah. that would be a that would right. The only times I've ever taken something home is if it were something very intense, Mm -hmm. like this has happened maybe two or three times, like somebody was suicidal and uh, you know, I had to Call a parent or somebody to. We needed to get them to a safer place. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, please call me because I'm not yeah. going to sleep tonight. Mm-hmm. You know. Or one time I had to call DCS years ago about something, and it just my stomach was in knots. I take that stuff home, uh, but um, I I hold. I try to hold space for people and let their sadness or their anger or their fear, or their anxiety be theirs. Mm-hmm. There are times where um, I moved to the degree where, because it probably touches something similar in me that I've experienced in life, um, loss or what have you. And um, yeah, so I might tear up some um, and that that um, can sometimes even be very affirming to grieve with somebody, you know? So that's happened from time to time, but it's more in the moment. Mm-hmm. I don't usually carry stuff out with me, yeah.
2: Um, I wanted to kind of ask about I feel like in recent years, you know the conversation just around counseling and therapy it's, it's 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 maybe increased in the culture a little bit like even to the point where I'm getting ads for it on my phone on like streaming yeah. services and stuff yes. like that um, but but do you feel there's still like a stigma among men specifically that are resistant to meeting with somebody?
1: I think there can be, yeah. I, I think I don't see it as much today, but I still do see it.
2: Yeah. You know? I, I'm almost thinking like from the perspective, of, you know, if we, if we have like a graduate, you know, who, who's listening now, who like they, they know they should probably talk to somebody. They should probably open up to somebody, you know, they're yeah. resisting something or holding on to stuff like, what, what what would you encourage them with to kind of get them to find that safe space?
1: Well, first I would encourage them to talk to a couple of people they know and trust. You know, I didn't just, for myself, I didn't just go look for a therapist myself. I went to my pastor at the time and I said, I need to go some places that you can't take me, but I, I trust that you can send me to somebody who can and he said, you're right, I can't take you there, but I've got someone just for you, right? And she was amazing, and she was exactly what I needed. So one, ask a few people you trust uh, to see if they can help you, or if or if, if, if a guy who's considering it knows a few uh, friends, close friends or family that have done, uh, seen a therapist or a counselor, then talk to them and say, what was that like for you? Get some feedback. Um, and then uh, get several referrals. And, you, you know... Um, uh, reach out to each of those referrals talk to each of those referrals on the phone uh, get a feel for them ask them hey do you you know do you do a first meeting uh, you know different counselors do it different ways um, you know I usually just do it all in the intake but I'll, I'll do a lengthy phone call first mm-hmm. you know just if to answer any questions I can and to give them as much information as possible um, so and, and realize that you can sit down with somebody and they're a bad fit and that's okay just say, Hey, I don't think this is a good fit. Um, you can even ask that person because it's our job ethically. If I'm not a good fit and I tell people this in my intake, if I'm not a good fit where you feel like, um, this, yeah, I'm just not the good fit or, or there's some other things they need to do that I, it's not in my wheelhouse. Then it's my job to try to help them mm-hmm. find someone. Um, I, I, you know, I don't have to, I, I just give them referrals if I do a little bit of work if it's something more specific. But so just know, um, it it can be uh, it can be a searching process. It, you don't have to go sit with the first person um, you meet and um, and if they're God forbid terrible, like don't let that be the face of therapy. You yeah, because you know not everybody you know. Not everybody's good at it, but also every therapist or counselor, we we make mistakes. You know, we're not perfect and sometimes things are misinterpreted or
0: what would you say is like your philosophy, if you will, and, and your, your method or system when somebody comes in with some some of those identity issues, not knowing who they are or thinking they are, someone that maybe you disagree with, like, what's sort of some of the tools or the methods, how do you approach those conversations? Like, could you like walk through like sort of how you sure. go about that? Yeah. I mean, I don't approach them any differently because,
1: um, regardless of presenting issue, we're all humans with emotions and feelings and thoughts and impulses and families of origin and story, storylines, um, and, and victories and pain and hurts. So, Uh, I'm, I'm letting a man tell their story and if they're willing to look at it, I, we try to leave no stone unturned, you know, often when it comes to topics around sexuality or sexual identity, people, um, I don't know so much today, but I would say maybe 10 years ago, um, I'm going to say the church, if that's what I'm going to say, I, I I experienced, uh, um, some in the church that would say, No, we need to flee, we need to run that. And I'm like, no, we need to look at it, we right. need to understand it. Um, because this person has questions about it, and they, they have questions about themselves, and so, um, really, we're just trying. I'm trying to get people, hey, let's put this all out on the table, whatever they're comfortable with. I always want to honor what they're comfortable with, and often they. Uh, regardless of the presenting issue again, there, there can be nuance of course, but regardless of the presenting issue um, I don't do much different therapeutically with people. For instance, if I had a man who was struggling with lusting after women and a man who's struggling with lusting after men, I'm, I'm not dealing, I'm not doing anything different. And if you were to, if the man who was struggling with lust with women, if he was to lift out all of his proclivities and hurts and wounds and how it showed up in his life, and the man who lusted after men were to do the same thing, but we were to cover up which was which, at the like put, you know, each man's name at the top, but cover up their names. Yeah. you would be probably hard pressed to tell me which man was which hmm. because it's under it's what what I'm trying to do, regardless of what somebody's presenting with, is get underneath it and deal with what's going on underneath, um, which usually changes the manifestation of whatever it is someone's presenting with, uh, around identity or not, it can be anything. So does, does that help that, answer the question? That's a great, yeah. Yeah. Great Absolutely. answer.
0: Um, f- how would you answer the question? How do I know if I need therapy? Um, that's a, a good question. How would I answer that? I'm just trying How to think about anybody that might be wondering if they need it or if, if it was be. A probably good idea. <laughs> right, you probably
1: <laughs> do. Yeah. Well, that could be part of the answer. I mean, if I'm a person of faith, I might I might talk to the Lord about that. I might ask a. I, I would definitely run it by a person or two that I trust. Hey, I'm considering this. Do you mm-hmm. have any thoughts? Please be honest with me. Um, and then if they're honest and I'm like, how dare you say that? I probably need therapy if I jump down their throat, right? <laughs> yeah. um, so, but I would, I would think about it, pray about it, check with a few trusted people. And you know what? Go do it. And you might get two or three sessions in and realize, I don't need therapy, right? Even th- that's happened on occasion where I've had someone and I'm like, I'm really not sure why you're here, mm. you know. Uh, or one person years ago, this guy came in to check. he, he That's kind of what he was doing. He said, yeah, this happened and this happened, very traumatic things. And I think I'm okay, but I just wanted to check. And mm. I spent maybe a month or two with him and I said, Look, we've gone through everything. We've we and did some EMDR, and I said, I, I, you know, if you if you start seeing any things coming up in your life that are questionable or you're concerned, then come on back, call me. My door's always open. But, you know, so all that to say, go try it. Yeah, and yeah. you might find that you do need it, and you might find that you don't.
0: Well, what sorts of things cause you to say, I don't really think that you need this versus? yeah, I think that you should come back next week. Like what are generally yeah, is, it like, generally, a, is it like
2: a level of self-awareness that you see in somebody that you're like, yeah, you know, I think you're good or, or. Oh yeah. That's, yeah.
1: That's, sometimes it's their goals. If they had very specific goals and we have reached those, I'll say, Hey, you have done everything you've set out to do. And um, unless, you know, sometimes new goals will appear. So I'll just check. Is there anything else you wanted to work on? Otherwise, I think we're kind of done, you know, yeah. um, or you seem like if they didn't have a very specific goals, but it feels like we've kind of accomplished everything and they're, they've just been in a good place. They're either done or they'll say, Hey, what well, could we do at least once a month just for a few months to make sure, you know, sure. And then they can always come in a year. You know, they can always come back if they want to. Um, I feel like there was a second part to that question, but I don't don't remember
2: no i was just peppering it up a little bit i don't know (laughs) i do that Uh, oh um um, at least two or three times you've mentioned emdr and uh and two or three times weston has played it off like he knew exactly what that was at some point i was gonna
0: be like what is that? <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. It's, it's all yeah. Weston is the one who definitely yeah. doesn't know what that means. Yep. Yeah. yeah. No, I've, I've heard,
0: heard it. it. It's yeah. used a lot. And I've, I've heard, heard that, that term it's been before, really but I actually don't know what the definition is. I don't know what it stands for. I don't know. Yeah. What it is uh, purposed for.
1: Uh, I, uh, let me see if I can remember, uh, the story behind it, the training wise, the, uh, the therapist theorist that discovered it, her, I believe her name is Frances Shapiro. Uh, I trained in EMDR back in 2012, uh, level one and two, there's different levels. Um, but it's stands for eye movement desensitization process, repro, reprocessing. Yeah, there's an R there. Eye um, oh, so, movement desensit- desensitization. <laughs> <be> desensitization. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we just call it EMDR. I sense. see. Um, and uh, basically, in short, what I tell people is that um, every, every living second, our five senses are taking in bits of information right now we're having a conversation uh, our senses are taking in how the furniture feels beneath, beneath us the lighting in the room the conversation the words we're using the temperature in the room uh, um, so all of that information is coming in through the five senses it's going to the brain and the, the right and the left hemispheres of the brain are having a conversation about all this data once it's unprocessing it it's sits in the frontal lobe as memory done when something traumatic happens big T trauma I, I like to say that God put a circuit breaker in the brain. And when <laughs> the sense has taken a trauma, it can be so overwhelming that uh, the brain stops talking about it, but all the data is still coming in. It mm. doesn't have a place. It, it's not being processed, so it doesn't go to the frontal lobe. Instead, it moves to the limbic region of the brain, the nervous system, and it gets frozen in the nervous system. And um, that's why someone can have an anxiety attack. They can be in the safest room in the world with loved ones and suddenly have a panic attack. And they they don't even know why, but it could have been a scent or a smell or a sound. And it it hit that limbic region and triggered the trauma.
0: Hmm. Without necessarily triggering a memory or a reason.
1: Exactly. And so what EMDR does is it focuses on the trauma And it allows a person to specifically focus on a trauma, to bring it back up. So you're intentionally trying to tap into the emotions and what happened, the memory, and then you apply um, uh, eye movement desensitization, eye movement. Uh, uh, There are three ways that I know to do it. Uh, It was discovered through eye movement uh, it's a recreating REM sleep, right? When our yeah. eyes move back and forth, uh, you can do it through touch. Uh, they have nifty tools. Now, uh, it started with follow my fingers or tapping somebody's knees or the backs of their hands and then also audio, but now there's light bars and you just follow the light bar with your eyes back and forth, or there's vibrating pads you hold and this one will vibrate left, right, left, right. And that's telling the brain to talk it's it's a brain hack is mm-hmm. what i call it it's just telling the right and left atmospheres of the brain to discuss and process what we're bringing back up so it's unfreezing if you will what got frozen in the nervous system thawing it out and finishing the conversation and then all the emotion that came with it hmm. and it um finishes processing and moves to the frontal lobe and now it's memory
2: that's fascinating
1: and that i mean that it works obviously, yeah, yes, popular. Yes, when it was discovered and put into a mode of therapy, a construct, uh, one of the first places that Shapiro took it to, if I'm remem- remembering correctly, were uh, veterans' hospitals. Mm-hmm. And they were seeing, uh, they were having a lot of trouble with PTSD, and nothing uh, very few things were helping. And this just started to help men and women that were veterans. It ha- uh, when I I've not back, been back for a training in some time. But when I trained, uh, it um, had an 80 to 85% success rate, which wow. is
0: really high for a therapeutic wow. construct. So uh, yeah, I feel like that, that we could just keep going with this conversation, because it's it feels so beneficial. Just to me personally, I'd, I'm, I'm fighting the urge to just keep asking questions about my emotions and you know, <laughs> how to deal with them.
2: we just slowly yeah. turn this into our own the therapy right. yeah, exactly. session yes. exactly. we're not gonna tell anyone it's happening we're just gonna <laughs> yeah. start we right. just
0: cut the cameras and Thinking let's just have like a full-on stuff. session but
2: i follow that sentiment exactly as is, is, is i, I I'm, I'm fascinated i mean by, by talking about this obviously um but yeah I, if there's if there's like one thing that you could encourage or challenge our Narragate grads yes. with those, those who've gone on again, we've got some who are 18, 19, mm-hmm. those who are in yes. their thirties and forties. Several is there,
0: that you've met with. Oh yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Is there, is there like one thing that
1: you'd like to? Yes.
2: Yeah. I love it. He's like prepared. Nobody comes in prepared for that <laughs>
1: yeah. one. Cause I tell this to everybody, even to narrowgate guys all the time, um, um, need fulfillment and emotions, need fulfillment and emotions, feel, let yourself be open. The body knows where to go, trust it. Uh, and need fulfillment, community uh, I, what I love about narrowgate there's many things I love, but what I love is i I, I tell guys, hey, you're in an incubator for about eight months yeah. you are you have a built in community you um, you spend day in and day out with with your classmates with that become friends and brothers and staff your' you know you share a bunkhouse you share you know you eat meal you break bread you pray you study you hike you do you know you do all these things you go out into the community and then you graduate and you go back to Texas or New Zealand or Franklin Tennessee and guys go overnight from community to no community
2: mm-hmm.
1: and suddenly proclivities start creeping up again in their lives. And they're like, why is this happening, you know? And I'm like, well, where's your community, you know? Uh, it wasn't just because I, I came to Narrowgate and I didn't have television and I didn't have my phone, right? It's not just because of that. Community and need fulfillment um, are what fill us. And when we do not have healthy need fulfillment, Uh, Men have needs of other men. Women have needs of other women. I tell couples, even though I don't do couples work, I work with lots of married men and I'll say, Hey, you will always need a few safe men in your life. She will always need a few safe women in her life. Cause there are going to be some things a wife does not get about a husband. And there are going to be some things he doesn't get about a wife, but there are going to be some things men will get about you that she won't. And women will get, you know, I have a friend who used to uh kick his wife out once a week after they had their first two little like a newborn and a toddler and he's just like you go be with your girlfriends just get out of the house i've got it you know because he knew she needed that um not just to a break from the children but to be with safe women so community and need fulfillment are, are huge um really i'll try to make this quick even um during covid uh when the shutdown started they said two weeks right to flatten the curve and then two became three and three became four and i knew after the fourth week i just thought okay i'm going to start having men come in and say what's going on i'm struggling with this again i've been sober for however long and this is coming back up and and I, within uh that second month and definitely into the third i probably had six to ten guys come in and say, Thad, what is going on? I've been six months sober and now this. And I'm like, don't worry, you're okay. I fully expected this to happen because you built a safe community of men in your life. You've been getting your needs fulfilled in healthy ways, which means now I don't have to go to those unhealthy ways of medicating because I'm lonely and sad and hurting. Um you've, and, and the government just came in and said, no community for you, two years, right? Yeah. Like the soup Nazi. <laughs> and suddenly all their need fulfillment just went out the window. So, That's so just, sorry, if you, the the if you don't, don't know what that is, is no here, to listen the for I was reaching back oh, to you. You were, <laughs> you were doing so good. and I derailed uh, it. 1990s that <laughs> Seinfeld's yeah. if, uh, if you're not aware of that listeners. Oh. Um, So Suddenly, they're not getting their needs fulfilled in healthy, safe ways with trusted friends and brothers or women or whomever it is. And so that's what I would say with Narrowgate especially because, again, it's overnight. If they don't have safe community they're going back to after they leave Narrowgate, then they're literally going from community to having to start over. Mm. And so for those guys, start over. I liken community... Um, to uh, save friends, to... I use this example in my office all the time. It's like the stock market. You have to diversify. If you put all of your stock in one company and it goes belly up, you're broke. But if you diversify and this one company out of 10 that you've invested in goes belly up, the other nine might be rocking and thriving and you you could be just doing great. It didn't even touch you when that one went belly up. If I put all of my energy into just one friend and then they move or I have to move or they die, God forbid. Now I have to start all over again. So I always say have two or three, and that takes time to build. If you have no community, start working on it. It takes a couple of years, but get two, three, four safe guys. And then we have other friends too. They don't know everything about us, right? But we can get needs met. Um, And then if somebody has to move or leave, you you still have community, you're not destitute. Um, So that would be huge. why guys sometimes come back to me and they're like, why am I acting out again in all these really unhealthy ways? Um, Community, go get your needs met, you know, and we're built for community, even God has the Trinity is what I like to Mm. say, even God has himself. Yeah, absolutely. And Jesus had his 12 and his inner three. And according to john, he had his best friend john, right? And he emoted in front of them, he asked them come could you watch over me this last night? They didn't know it was his last night. Yeah. But he said, "Could you just guys, can you watch over me? And he woke them up three times. That's neat. He needed them.
0: Mm-hmm. So that's what I would, that's that's my going out pitch right solid, there. Man. That is also probably what I would say, just not nearly as eloquent or as impactful. <laughs>
1: well, I say it <laughs> <Yeah>. about 20 times <laughs> sure, a week it's important. <laughs> for
0: the last 15 years. So I've well, rehearsed. Thaddeus man, you are, you're awesome. Thanks, oh, thank you. you. Him, yeah. All that you do yeah. for Narragate and for, you know, for, for everybody else. And you're, you're truly a gem and the world would be a darker place without you. Yeah. So well. thank you for spending time with us and letting us get a little bit of our, you know, healthy, safe men needs met as well. And, uh, and yeah, it's just been a, a good Thanks conversation. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, this has been great.